After reciting the Tashahud Ta'awz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalif Masih V, Ayyadullah Ta'ala Ibn Aziz stated, Every year we hold gatherings on the 20th of February to commemorate Muslim Old Day. This prophecy of the Promised Messiah was about the birth of a son, which he foretold after receiving divine revelation. This was a response to the allegations of the opponents of Islam, whereby they said that Islam could not demonstrate any signs. The Promised Messiah responded by saying that he had been informed by God Almighty and announced that a magnificent sign of the truthfulness of Islam will be manifested through him. It will be manifested through the birth of his son, who will enjoy a long life and who will serve Islam. The Promised Messiah also said that he will be gifted with such and such qualities and he enumerated approximately 52 or 53 qualities. This was no ordinary prophecy. Moreover, he specified a time frame that this son would be born within this period, who will enjoy a long life and will go on to serve Islam in an extraordinary manner. Nevertheless, various aspects of this prophecy are highlighted during the gatherings organized by the Jamaat. God willing, this year too, various Jamaats will hold their gatherings. Similarly, MTA broadcast various programs from where one can learn of further details. At present, I will mention various extracts in Hazrat Muslim own words in relation to how his early years were, about the condition of his health and his relationship with Allah the Almighty.
The prophecy was about a child who would enjoy a long life. You can understand the state of the health of this child who was prophesied to live a long life from the following extract in which Hazrat Muslimah says, My health was rather poor during my childhood. At first, I suffered from whooping cough, and then my health declined to such an extent that until the age of 11 or 12, my condition would hover between life and death. And it was generally considered that I would not live for very long. During the same period, my eyes developed a condition whereby they would ache continuously, to the extent that I lost almost all vision in one eye that is, he could barely see with that eye. Hence, I could hardly see through that eye, and even now, i.e. at the time he was delivering this address, I can hardly see in one eye. Then, when I grew older, I had a continuous fever for six or seven months, and I was diagnosed with tuberculosis. Due to this, I was unable to study on a regular basis and I did not attend school. Master Fakirullah Sahib of Lahore, Hazur was delivering this lecture in Lahore, owned a house in Muslim town. He was a mathematics teacher in our school. Once Master Fakirullah Sahib complained about me to the Promised Messiah, saying he remains absent from school and only comes occasionally. As the Muslim old says, I became scared that the Promised Messiah might become upset. However, the Promised Messiah replied, Master Sahib, his health is poor. We are thankful that he attends school occasionally and learns some things here and there. Do not push him too much. As the Muslim old says, as a matter of fact, I also remember that the Promised Messiah said, What will we achieve by teaching him mathematics? Are we going to make him open a shop? Hence, this was the state of his health and his attendance at school during his childhood. Given the circumstances, who could guarantee that he would live a long life? And not just a long life. It was also prophesied that he would be filled with religious and secular knowledge. Who could have said that he would acquire this knowledge under such circumstances? Nevertheless, Hazrat Muslim Maud says, The Promised Messiah said, It will suffice if he just studies the Quran and Hadith. Hence, my health was so poor that I was not at all in a state to acquire secular knowledge and my vision was also impaired. I failed my primary, middle and entrance exams. I did not pass in any exam. But God had declared in relation to me that I would be filled with secular and religious knowledge. 
Hence, despite not having acquired any secular education, Allah the Almighty has penned such magnificent books through my hands that their study has left the world in amazement and they are compelled to acknowledge that nothing more profound could have been penned in relation to Islamic matters. As a Muslim anhu further says, I have recently written a portion of the commentary of the Holy Quran by the name tafsir kabir Having read this, even staunch opponents have admitted that no such commentary has been written until this day. Furthermore, I frequently visit Lahore and those who live here know that college professors, students, doctors and prominent leaders and lawyers come to meet me. However, to this day, there has never been an occasion where a prominent scholar has raised an allegation against Islam or the Holy Quran before me. And I have failed to leave him speechless by presenting teachings of Islam and the Holy Quran and compelled him to admit that in reality, no valid allegation can be leveled against the teachings of Islam. It is merely the favour of Allah the Almighty that I am blessed with. Otherwise, I have not acquired any secular education. However, I cannot deny the fact that God has granted me knowledge from Himself and has blessed me with every form of secular and religious knowledge. Then, in relation to how Allah the Almighty filled him with secular and religious knowledge, Hazrat Muslim anhu says, During my youth, I saw in a dream that a bell had been sounded and it produced a clanging sound. This increased to the extent that it took the shape of a picture frame. I then observed that a picture appeared on this frame. A short while later, this picture began to move and all of a sudden, a figure jumped out of the frame and appeared before me. He said, I am an angel of God and I have come to teach you the commentary of the Holy Quran. I replied, please do teach me. Following this, he started teaching me the commentary of Surah Al-Fatiha. He began to teach and continued until he reached and said, all previous commentators had covered only up to this point in their commentaries. However, I will teach you the commentary beyond this point as well. Hence, he taught me the commentary of the entire Surah Al-Fatiha. The true meaning of this dream was that I was imbued with the gift of understanding the Holy Quran. This gift is so apparent within me that I openly declare that if I was stood in any gathering, I would be ready to proclaim that I can expound upon all the aspects of the Islamic teachings through Surah Al-Fatiha. This was a speech delivered in an open gathering. He was telling the whole world and putting forth this challenge, but no one ever took up this challenge. Hazrat Muslim Aud further writes, I was fairly young and I was in school when our football team went to play against the Khalsa college team in Amritsar. The two teams played each other and our team won. Although our Jamaat faces opposition from other Muslims, this victory uplifted Muslim morale and so a Muslim nobleman in Amritsar invited our team for tea. When we arrived, I was told to give a speech. 
I did not prepare at all for the speech. When I was made to stand and speak, I remembered my dream in which the angel had taught me the commentary of Surah Al-Fatiha. First and foremost, I prayed about this to God Almighty that, O oh Allah, your angel had taught me the commentary of Surah Al-Fatiha in a dream. Today, I want to test and evaluate whether this dream was indeed from you or a creation of my mind. If this dream was indeed from you, then tell me a point of Surah Al-Fatiha that has never been elucidated upon by any other commentator. Immediately after this prayer, God Almighty revealed a particular aspect in my heart, and I said, Look, in the Holy Quran, you will find that Allah the Almighty has taught this prayer. O Muslims, pray in your five daily prayers and in every rakat, i.e. unit of prayer, for you not to become among the maghdub and the dal. The meaning of maghdub has been explained by the Holy Prophet in a hadith. The Holy Prophet explained that maghdub referred to the Jews and dal refers to the Christians. Thus, ghayr al-maghdub means, O God, save us from becoming like the Jews. And Dalin means, O God, save us from becoming like the Christians. This matter is further elucidated by the following statement of the Holy Prophet ﷺ. When he said, A Messiah would come to this Ummah, and those who would reject him would be likened to the Jews. On the other hand, the Holy Prophet ﷺ also stated, a time would come when the strife of Christianity would become prevalent. The people would convert to Christianity for the sake of acquiring sustenance, livelihood and respect in society. Or they would fall prey to deception and accept Christianity as a result of not understanding the teachings of their faith. It is strange, however, that Surah Al-Fatiha was revealed in Mecca at a time when neither the Jews predominantly opposed Islam nor the Christians. During that time, Islam predominantly faced opposition from the idolaters. However, the prayer, O God, save us from becoming like the idolaters, was not the prayer that was taught. Instead, we were taught to pray, O God, let us not become like the Jews and Christians. This clearly demonstrates that through this chapter, Allah the Almighty foretold that the idolaters of Makkah would be eradicated for all time, and not so much as a trace would remain. It was not required that a prayer regarding them should be taught to the Muslims. On the other hand, Judaism and Christianity will both continue on and it is imperative that you always pray to be safeguarded from their affliction. After the conclusion of my speech, many nobles approached me and said, You have studied the Qur'an in great depth. This is the first time in all our lives that we have heard the point you have expounded upon. And in reality, this is absolutely true. Look at all the commentaries written on the Holy Qur'an and you will not find a single commentator who has mentioned this aspect until today. I was 20 years old when Allah the Almighty revealed this point to me. Thus, Allah the Almighty granted me knowledge of the Holy Qur'an through His angel and developed such a proficiency within me that can be likened to a key for a treasure chest. In the same manner, I had found the key to unlocking the knowledge of the Holy Qur'an. There is no scholar in the world who stands before me to whom I would not be able to prove the superiority of the Holy Qur'an. This is the city of Lahore and there is a university here. He was delivering the speech in Lahore. Many colleges are also established here 
and scholars of vast fields of knowledge can be found here. I address all of them and say that a scholar of any field of knowledge can challenge me, or any professor from anywhere in the world or a scientist can try and raise an allegation against the Holy Qur'an in light of their knowledge. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, I would be able to give them such an answer that the world will be forced to admit that the allegation has been refuted. And I proclaim openly that I would answer this allegation solely with the words of God and form the rebuttal of the allegation using the verses of the Holy Qur'an. This incident, as he mentioned himself, took place when he was 20 years old and at that time he had attained perfect conviction about God Almighty. In regard to what age he attained this perfect conviction, as a Muslim writes this himself. And from this we learn that Allah the Almighty had made him the fulfillment of the prophecy from his childhood. Nonetheless, he states, the year 1900 became the year that drew my heart towards the commandments of Islam. I was 11 years old at the time. Someone had brought a robe for the Promised Messiah made of a printed fabric. I asked if I could have it, not for any particular reason, but only because I liked its colour and print. I could not wear it because the garment would dangle below my feet. When I reached the age of 11, and when the year 1900 had begun, in other words, 1900 CE, I started to think about why I believe in God and what evidence is there of His existence. I pondered over this matter late into the night. Finally, at 10 or 11 o'clock, my heart was comforted and I was reassured that there is a God. That was a moment of immense joy, an hour of great happiness. Just as a child is delighted to find its mother, I was overjoyed to discover my Creator. This was his thinking at the age of 11. My faith, which was based only on things that I had heard, transformed to faith that was understood. In other words, faith that was acquired from hearing turned into faith acquired from understanding. Nonetheless, he states, I could not contain myself. At that time, I made a prayer to Allah the Almighty and continued to do so for some time, that, O oh God, never allow me to fall into doubt about your existence. I was 11 years old at the time, and now I am 35. But even today, I regard that prayer very highly. Even today, I make the same prayer, O oh God, never allow me to fall into any doubt about your existence. Indeed, I was a child at that time, but now I have more experience. Now, in addition, I say, O oh God, grant me perfect conviction in regards to your existence. As a Muslim continues, one thing led to another. I was writing with regards to the robe I had asked from the Promised Messiah when all of a sudden I was overcome by a surge of the thoughts that I have just mentioned above. Nonetheless, one day I performed ablution at the time of Duha or Ishraq, i.e. the forenoon. I wore the robe not because I found it to be beautiful, but because it belonged to the Promised Messiah and was blessed. This was the first instance when I realized the sacredness of something that belongs to a chosen one of God Almighty. He further states, 
At that moment, I closed my door and wept profusely as I offered voluntary prayers. The details of this incident and how he recognized God Almighty at the age of 11 has been mentioned in another place as well. As the Muslim Maud states, I was 11 years old when Allah the Almighty, through His grace, enabled me to transform my belief into conviction. It was a time after Maghrib prayers and I was standing in my home. Suddenly a thought occurred to me and I began to ponder as to whether I was an Ahmadi simply because my father was the founder of the Ahmadi community or because I find Ahmadiyyat to be true and that it has been established by God Almighty. After this thought occurred to me, I decided that I would think hard about it and not leave my place until I reached a conclusion. If I realized that Ahmadiyyat is false, then instead of going to my room, I will depart from this courtyard. This was the mindset of an 11-year-old. He continues, Nonetheless, after making this decision, I started to contemplate and naturally certain proofs occurred to me that I began to analyze. I would formulate an argument and then refute it, then formulate a second argument and refute it, and then formulate a third argument and refute it as well. This continued to the extent that I began to ponder over whether the Holy Prophet was a true prophet of God and whether I believed him to be true because my parents believe in him or because the fact that he was a righteous prophet has become clear to me through evidence. When this question posed itself to me, I decided that I would reach a conclusion in this matter as well. After this, a thought naturally occurred to me about God Almighty, which needed to be resolved. And I questioned in my heart as to whether I simply hold the belief in God Almighty or have I truly uncovered the truth that this world has a God? Then I began to contemplate over this question about Allah the Almighty. My heart said that if there is a God, then the Holy Prophet must also be true. And if the Holy Prophet is a true Prophet, then the Promised Messiah must also be true. And if the Promised Messiah is true, then Ahmadiyyat must surely be true as well. However, if this world has no God, then none among them is true. He further states, I had resolved that today I would find a solution to this question, and if my heart reached the conclusion that there is no God, then I would no longer remain in my home. In fact, I would leave at once. He further says, After making this decision, I began to deliberate on the matter and continue to do so. As I was very young, I could not find an acceptable answer. Even so, I continued to ponder until my mind became wary. At that moment, I looked to the sky. There were no clouds on that day. This was the way in which Allah the Almighty wanted to teach him. As a Muslim says, The sky was crystal clear. The stars were beautifully glistening in the sky. No other sight could have been more uplifting for a tired mind. I was tired and began to gaze at the stars and enjoyed the scenery. I continued to look at them for so long that I lost track of time. After a while, when my mind was refreshed, I thought to myself that these stars are so beautiful, but is there something beyond them? My mind proposed the answer that there would be more stars beyond them. Then I thought, what is beyond that? Again, my heart proposed the answer that there are even more stars beyond that. Then I questioned as to what would be further beyond that. My mind proposed the very same answer, that there would be even more stars beyond that. 
Then again, I asked myself, what is even further beyond that? And again, my heart and mind proposed that there would be more stars. Finally, my heart said that it cannot be that after the first star, there would be a second, and after a second, there would be a third, and after the third, there would be a fourth. Will the stars not eventually end? If they do, then what will come after them? After all, it is this very question that perplexes people who wonder what it means when we say that God is limitless and has always existed. As they say, there must be some sort of limit. This same curiosity developed within me regarding the stars, and I wondered whether they ever end or not. If they do end, then what will come after them? And if the stars never end, then what is the system whereby they last forever? When my thoughts reached this stage, I realized that it is vain to conjecture about God being limited or limitless. Even if one does not accept God, what can one say about the stars which are before your eyes? If we accept that something is limited, then it can only have a limit if something else begins after it ceases to exist. Thus the real question is that if they are limited, then what will come after them? Or if it is said that they are limitless, then if man can accept stars to be without limit, why can man not accept God Almighty to be without limit? At that moment, my heart accepted the fact that God does indeed exist. Because within the law of nature, God has brought about the same allegations which are raised against his own existence. He says, if you raise these same questions about me, who cannot be seen, then what is your response regarding those things which can be seen? Because you raise the same questions about them as you do about me. You have no answer, yet you quite simply say that you cannot understand how God can be limitless. At another instance, he said, when this argument proved to me that God does exist, then this also proved to me the truthfulness of the Holy Prophet and the Promised Messiah Hence, this is yet another proof of God Almighty filling him with secular and spiritual knowledge. Allah brought about such questions in the mind of a child who had little education and then guided him as well. What were the sentiments of Hazrat Khalid the first radiallahu anhu towards Hazrat Muslim Aud? From what Hazrat Khalid the first has expressed, it is clear that he understood that this child would become the manifestation of the prophecy of the promised reformer. Hazrat Muslim Aud relates an incident. He says, It was quite some time ago that I, along with some of my friends, initiated the Tashhizul Azhan magazine. In order to garner attention for this magazine, I wrote an article which outlined its aims and objectives. When it was published, Hazrat Khalid Masih I expressed his special appreciation for it to the Promised Messiah and said that it would be worthwhile for the Promised Messiah to read it. Thus, the Promised Messiah asked to see the magazine whilst he was in Masjid Mubarak and had Mawli Muhammad Ali Sahib read the article out to him, upon which he commended it. Later, when I met Hazrat Khalid Masih I, although he praised the article before the Promised Messiah, when he met me, he said, Mia, your article was quite good. However, I am not satisfied. He said, there is a saying which is common in our country. The camel is worth 40 and its calf is worth 42. 
meaning the price of a camel is less, while the price of its calf is two rupees more. You have not fulfilled this metaphor. As Muslimaud explains, I could not speak Punjabi and did not understand what this meant. Upon seeing the confusion in my face, Hazrat Khlipton C. the first said, Perhaps you have not understood the meaning. This is a metaphor used in our area, that a person was selling a camel along with its calf, which in that area was called Toda. Someone asked him the price and he replied that the camel's price was 40 rupees, while the Toda's price was 42 rupees. He was surprised to hear this, upon which the earlier person said that a Toda is both a camel and a young calf. In the same way, you had the Promised Messiah's book, Brahina Ahmadiyya, at your disposal. When this was written, i.e. Brahina Ahmadiyya was written, there was no other Islamic literature like it at the disposal of the Promised Messiah. However, you had this with you, and it was expected that you would present something even greater by benefiting from it. As a Muslim old says, How can one present greater knowledge than those commissioned by God? But this was not the question at hand, except that one ought to have brought the hidden gems presented by the Promised Messiah. What Hazrat the I meant was that it was the responsibility of later generations to build upon the foundations which have previously been established. Hazrat the I was aware about the condition of his health and also knew the level of his knowledge. But despite that, this was how highly he thought of him. This certainly indicated that he knew this boy had the potential to write articles of the highest standard. Nevertheless, as a Muslim states, if future generations were to keep this point in mind, not only would they reap blessings and bounties for themselves, but they would become a means of attaining blessings and bounties for the entire nation. However, one should only try to exceed their forefathers in virtuous deeds. It should not be the case that the child of a thief strives to become an even greater thief than their father. Instead, this means that the progeny of a person who is regular in prayer should try to become even more established upon prayer. The condition of Hazrat Muslim Maud's health has already been mentioned in an incident earlier. There is another incident which shows the state of his health and knowledge. In fact, this incident also shows the degree of love and care which Hazrat Khalif the I and the Promised Messiah had for him and proves that they were certain this child was the promised reformer. As a Muslim states regarding this incident, In relation to my education, Hazrat Khalif the I conferred the greatest favour upon me. Since he was a physician and also aware of the fact that owing to my poor health, I was unable to look at a book for too long. Therefore, his method of teaching was that he would seat me beside him and say, Mia, I will read and you continue to listen. Then whilst explaining his health conditions, as a Muslim old says, the reason for this was that in my childhood, a severe form of trachoma formed in my eyes. His ailment of the eyes has been mentioned earlier as well. Due to the effects of the trachomatous concretions, I had such severe pain in my eyes that the doctor said that I would eventually lose my eyesight. Upon this, the Prophet Muhammad started to pray specifically for my health and also began to observe fasts. As the Muslim old further states, I do not recall how many fasts he observed. In any case, he observed three or seven fasts. When he was about to break his last fast and was about to place something in his mouth in order to break the fast, I suddenly opened my eyes and exclaimed that I am able to see. Just as the Promised Messiah was about to break his fast, Hazrat Muslim says that he opened his eyes 
and said that he could see. However, the result of this illness and its repeated outbreaks was that the sight in one of my eyes weakened significantly. He further explains, Hence, I am unable to see properly through my left eye. I am able to see ahead of me, but I am unable to read a book. If a person who I know is sitting two or four feet away, I am able to recognize him. However, if someone unfamiliar sits there, I am unable to make out his face. Only my right eye is fully functional. However, trachomatous concretions formed in this eye as well, and its severity was such that I would spend many nights awake due to it. This was the state of his health. Yet, just see the scholarly work he produced and how he was bestowed the succor of God Almighty. He further states, The Promised Messiah had told my teachers that I was to be educated according to my wishes. I should study as much as I can and that I should not be forced to study because my health did not permit me to bear the burden of education. The Promised Messiah would constantly advise me to simply study the translations of the Holy Quran and Sahih al-Bukhari from Hazrat Malvi Sahib, that is, from Hazrat Khalib al-Masih I. In addition to this, the Promised Messiah also said that I should study some aspects of medicine, as this was the profession of our forefathers. He continues, Hence, I was educated in this manner, but at the same time, I had some constraints. Apart from suffering from the ailment of the eyes, I also had complications with my liver, I was enduring various illnesses, and for this I had to drink water extracted from mung beans or sarg for six months at a time. On top of this, I had an enlarged spleen, and red iodide of mercury was used to massage it. This was used for massaging my neck also, as I suffered from scrofula, i.e. ulcers in the neck due to TB. Hence, I had trachomatous concretions, problems with my liver, and an enlarged spleen. In addition to this, I used to develop a fever which would last for six months. My elders would advise against putting too much pressure on me to study and permitted me to study as much as I wanted. One can ascertain my educational competence based on all of these factors. Once my maternal grandfather, Hazrat Mir Nasir Nawab Sahib, tested my level of Urdu. My handwriting is untidy even now, but in those days it was so bad that one could not even read what I had written. Mir Sahib attempted to decipher what I had written, but he was not able to do so. Mir Sahib was quick-tempered and went to the Promised Messiah fuming. I also happened to be at home. We were already afraid of his temper, as the Muslim world says this regarding his maternal grandfather. When he went to the Promised Messiah, I became even more worried as to what would happen next. Mirsaib came and said to the Promised Messiah You do not pay any attention towards Mahmud's education. I tested him on his Urdu. Please have a look at this paper. His handwriting is so bad that no one can read it. He continued in this impassioned state and said to the Promised Messiah, You do not address this matter at all and this boy is wasting his time. Observing Mirsaib's fervency on the matter, the Promised Messiah stated, Call Molvi Sahib. Whenever facing a difficult situation, the Promised Messiah would summon Hazrat Khalid the I. Hazrat Khalid the I had immense love for me. He came, and as was his habit, he stood to one side with his head lowered in respect. The Promised Messiah stated, Molvi Sahib, I have called you here 
because Mir Saib says that it is impossible to read Mahmud's handwriting. I would like a test to be prepared for him. After saying this, the Promised Messiah picked up his pen and wrote a few sentences. He gave me the sheet of paper and instructed me to copy it. This was a simple test conducted by the Promised Messiah. I copied this writing very carefully and with full concentration. First of all, the sentences were not too long and secondly, I only had to copy it, which was very straightforward because the original was in front of me. I copied it slowly and very meticulously wrote down the Urdu alphabets Alif and Ba. When the Promised Messiah saw this, he stated, I was perturbed by Mir Sahib's comments, but his handwriting resembles mine. Hazrat Khalid Masih I was already in my favour and said, Hazul, Mir Sahib became impassioned for no reason. His handwriting is very neat. So this was my situation. Given these circumstances, one can see how could I attain any formal education. Then with regards to the level of his education, Hazrat Muslim Aud says, Hazrat Khalif the I would always tell me, Mia, your health is not well enough that you can study yourself. Visit me and I will teach you in a way that you only need to listen. Hence, he laid great stress on this and taught me the Holy Quran first and then Sahih Bukhari. He did not teach me the Quran at a slow pace. Rather, he used to recite the Holy Quran followed by its translation and would elaborate on anything that he felt was necessary to further explain. Otherwise, he would teach at a quick pace. He taught me the entire Quran in three months, after which there was a gap in the lessons. After the demise of the Promised Messiah, Hazrat Khalid the I said to me, Mia, let me finish teaching Bukhari to you. This is because I had previously informed him what the Promised Messiah had stated during his lifetime, which was to learn the Holy Quran and Bukhari from Mulvi Sahib. Therefore, I had started learning the Quran and Bukhari from Hazrat Mulvi Sahib during the lifetime of the Promised Messiah, although there were some gaps in between. Similarly, under the instructions of the Promised Messiah, I began learning medicine from him. As the Muslim al further says, In short, I learned medicine and commentary of the Holy Quran from Hazrat Khalid Masih I. He finished teaching me the commentary of the Holy Quran in two months. He would make me sit with him and would sometimes teach me half a part or one full part of the Quran with translation. He would explain the commentary of certain verses as well. Similarly, he finished teaching me Sayyid Bukhari in two or three months. During one Ramadan, he delivered lectures covering the entire Holy Quran throughout the month, which I was able to attend as well. I also had the opportunity to study a few Arabic magazines from him. This was the condition of my education. Hazrat Muslim Aud has written about when he delivered his first speech and Hazrat Khalid see the first appreciation. Hazrat Muslim Aud writes, About one of my teachers, I noticed that whenever I would deliver a lecture, he would always sit down and listen to it. Conversely, there was another teacher of mine. Whenever he would deliver a lecture, the first teacher would come in and upon seeing that he was delivering a lecture, he would exclaim, What is the use of listening to him? I have heard all these things before. However, whenever I would deliver a lecture, despite the fact that I was his student, my teacher thought so highly of me that he would always sit down to listen. He would say, I listened to his lectures because I learned new meanings of the Holy Quran from him. 
to reveal these insights, the likes of which other people could never conceive, and to bestow them upon a person so young, is only due to the grace of Allah the Almighty. The fact of the matter is that Allah the Almighty intended to fulfill the prophecy of the promised reformer through Hazrat Khalifatum C the second, and that is why Allah the Almighty Himself filled him with knowledge. Nonetheless, Hazrat Muslim Al further says, "It was in this very mosque, I believe he is referring to Masjid Aqsa, in 1907 when I delivered my first public address. It was on the occasion of Jalsa Salana, and there were many people in attendance." This was one year prior to the demise of the Promised Messiah. Many people were attending the Jalsa and Hazrat Khalifatum C. the first was also present. I recited the second Raku of Surah Luqman and then explained its commentary. My condition at the time was such that because I had never delivered a public address before then and I was only 18 years old at the time, furthermore the likes of Hazrat Khalifatum C. the first and members of the Anjuman as well as many other people were present. When I stood up, I felt faint and I had no idea who was sitting in front of me. The speech lasted between 30 to 45 minutes. When I finished my speech and sat down, Hazrat Khalifatum C. the first stood up and said, Mia, I congratulate you for your outstanding speech. I am not saying this to make you feel better. I can assure you, it really was an excellent speech. Thus, Allah the Almighty had filled him with such profound knowledge that his 52-year era is a witness to it. Whether it was to do with a religious topic or a secular topic, whenever Hazrat Muslim Maud was asked to write or speak on a particular topic, an ocean of verities and insights would spring forth. On countless occasions, even externals have lauded his speeches and these are all on record and they praised him openly in front of the public. Even newspapers published articles regarding them. All of this proves that the prophecy of the Promised Messiah salam, was fulfilled with all its grandeur. Nonetheless, the literature and sermons of Hazrat Muslim Maud, which spans thousands of pages, or perhaps even close to 100,000, are a priceless treasure. It is being translated into English and other languages as well. It is our responsibility to derive benefit from it. Declaring himself to be the fulfillment of the prophecy about the promised reformer, Hazrat Muslim Maud says, Out of the sheer grace and mercy of Allah the Almighty, the prophecy about which people have been waiting to be fulfilled for a long time, Allah the Almighty has disclosed to me by way of divine revelation that it has been fulfilled through my person. Now Allah the Almighty has perfected his argument against the enemies of Islam and he has made manifest that Islam is a true religion from God and that Muhammad is a true messenger of God and that the promised Messiah is a true prophet sent by God. All those who declare Islam to be false are liars. Those who declare Muhammad وسلم, the Messenger of Allah to be a liar, are themselves liars. Through this extraordinary prophecy, God has demonstrated a living proof of the truthfulness of Islam and the Holy Prophet before the people. Which mortal being had the power to make such a prophecy in 1886, exactly 58 years ago? When Hazrat Muslim Aud was mentioning this, 58 years had passed. And state that within a period of nine years, he would be blessed with a boy 
and that he would grow rapidly in stature. His fame would spread to the ends of the earth. He would spread the name of Islam and the Holy Prophet throughout the world. He would be filled with secular and spiritual knowledge. He will be a source of manifestation of divine majesty. He will be a living sign of the power, nearness and mercy of God. No human on this earth could have foretold this from their own accord. It was God who revealed this and it was the same God who ensured its fulfillment. God ensured the fulfillment of this prophecy through an individual regarding whom the doctors were concerned whether he would even survive or that he would not live a long life. Then regarding his health, as a Muslim old stated, In my childhood years, my health was so frail that at one stage Dr. Mirza Yaqub Beg Sahib mentioned to the Promised Messiah that I had developed tuberculosis and thus I ought to be sent to a mountainous area. Subsequently, the Promised Messiah sent me to Shimla. However, when I went there, I felt homesick and returned after a brief stay. As a Muslim old further says, Thus, this prophecy was fulfilled through a person for whom there was not a single day in which his health was good. Yet despite this, God Almighty granted me health and He kept me alive in order to manifest the fulfillment of this prophecy through me and provide the people with proof of the truthfulness of Islam and Ahmadiyyat. Furthermore, this humble one was such that I did not attain any secular knowledge. Yet God Almighty sent down His angels in order to bestow that knowledge to me and He instilled such knowledge of the Holy Quran within me that no human could have ever perceived. The knowledge that God Almighty granted to me and the spiritual fountain that flowed within me was not as a result of my own thoughts or ideas. Rather, it is so comprehensive and sound that I issue a challenge to the entire world that if there is anyone on the face of the earth who claims that God Almighty taught him the knowledge of the Holy Quran, then I am ever ready to challenge such an individual. Yet nobody accepted this challenge. However, I am aware that God Almighty has not bestowed knowledge of the Holy Quran to anyone on this earth other than myself. God Almighty granted me the knowledge of the Holy Quran and in order to teach the Holy Quran in this era, He has appointed me as the teacher of the entire world. God Almighty has appointed me so that I may propagate the message of Muhammad, the messenger of God, may peace be upon him, and the Holy Quran to the ends of the earth and ensure that Islam prevails once and for all over every false religion of the world. And indeed, has a Muslim old carried out this task. Countless translations of the Holy Quran were published in his time. Rather, it was not countless, but published in a large number. And this work is continuing to expand to this very day. In the lifetime of Hazrat Muslim old, the Holy Quran had been translated into 17 or 18 languages. Similarly, the message of Islam reached the corners of the world during his era. Hazrat Muslim old further says, The entire world can gather all their strength and might. Whether they are Christian kings or if Christian governments join them, even if Europe and America join forces, or if the most powerful and wealthiest nations unite together in an attempt to stop me achieving my goal, I swear by God Almighty that all their efforts will be in vain and they will be defeated. God Almighty will accept my prayers and efforts and destroy all of their schemes and deceptive ploys. In order to prove the truthfulness of this prophecy, God Almighty will establish the honor of the Holy Prophet and Islam through me or my followers and will not forsake Islam until its full grandeur and glory is restored throughout the world and until the time the Holy Prophet 
is accepted as a true and living prophet. Thus, this prophecy was fulfilled and Hazrat Muslim Maud lived through his era. However, the words of the prophecy are applicable even today. And God willing, these words will remain in effect until the Promised Messiah's mission is completed and until the flag of Islam is raised aloft throughout the entire world. Thus, during our conventions, we ought to remember this prophecy as well. And remembering this prophecy will only prove to be beneficial when we keep our objective in view in that we must uphold the honour and dignity of the Holy Prophet. And by demonstrating the truthfulness of Islam to the world, we must bring everyone under the flag of the Holy Prophet Today, there is no one aside from the followers of the Promised Messiah who can raise aloft the flag of Islam once again and through whom the message of Islam can spread in the world. May Allah the Almighty enable us to fulfill this task. Alhamdulillah <laughs>